0: Five scores! Rick Fudd! We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Fudd Jerry Miller.
1: Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're
0: going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs Fan. Hello Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone, to episode 84 of the Squid and Ultimate Leap Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs Fan. Joining me as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe, Squid, how's it going?
1: Going all right, Mike. Uh, I, you know, I mean, it is what it is, and there's still – I got a couple of hockey games coming up next weekend, too, so I'm kind of pumped about that. So, yeah, i uh, finally – Get on the ice and play a couple of games, and and, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: While you get yourself in shape, and I'll keep offering you, I'll get you a try with one of our beer league teams and see if you can keep up with us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been working out for about three months now, so it it better help.
0: I've been telling the boys, watch out. He's working out. We're going to get him out here and get him on the ice. (laughs) Well, speaking of which, one of our guests today has a very interesting story. It was undrafted as a goalie has played eight years as a pro, played mainly between AHL and C- ECHL, played with Buffalo in 2021 for a few games, proving that the never-give-up attitude does pay, and is a goalie that's very, very important, as we all know. So please welcome Michael Hauser. Mike, thanks for joining us, and how you doing, my man?
2: Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys? And don't
0: forget, he played this year as well. Yes, that's true. I forgot about that, yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, then he, and unfortunately... They were going on a four-game road trip, he was telling me, and he was going to play two out of the four. One of them was going to be in Vegas, and boom, he tested positive and couldn't make the road trip. So that that sucks, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah,
2: literally right – yeah. And then they – I think they stopped testing guys right after the road trip was done. So it was like the last week that they started testing guys, I – God dang for it. First time since, you know, everything happened that I actually tested positive for it. And, you know, right when it was kind of <laughs> going away, it hits you and, you know, things happen. No
0: But it's still, fr- it's got to be, fr- you guys got to be looking up, really? Like, this has to happen to me right at this exact moment to me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I know. It's like, I know. Every, I mean, like every NHL game felt like, you know, the most important game to me at least the past two years. So i got six of them and, um, you know, they told me that I was going to end up playing one of the, you know, next two that was coming up. So just any time that you have, you know, your next one kind of scheduled and know you're going to get another NHL game, at least in my position, it uh, you know, it stung when it got taken away. So that kind of stung, but, you know, no biggie.
0: Well, Mike, you can, we can tell this to your, uh, listen, you got six games on your belt. Doug McLean has said to us when he came on the show and many, many guys have acted it, you play one game in the National Hockey League, you're elite. So you know what? I know that doesn't pay for the coffee all the time, but you know what? At least you got that going for you. And that's on your resume. Nobody else can take that away from you.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it is something that I've always wanted. And it seemed, you know, really, really far away at some points. But, um, you know, it's, I felt pretty, lucky pretty fortunate last year when i got my first one um and then this year it just kind of fell into place again but i think you know sometimes to get those chances things have to kind of fall your way and then you know if you're ready for them then you can kind of jump on them which i think that's the thing that i'm most proud about is that um you know i felt like i was ready enough and i had kept getting better and better over the years leading up to it so when i did get my chance i was I was ready and, you know, I won my first two, lost my next two, and then I won uh, my next two this year. So I, um, I'm at least happy about that part is that I, you know, showed well when I had a chance to. And, um, you know, hopefully there's another chance down the
0: road. Well, you're currently with Cincinnati and the ECHL, so Rick can add in on this one too. How's the season going so far for you there and the team? The team's actually pretty well. Squid keeps me up on the team, so I have a pretty good idea, but we'll share with the listeners.
2: Yeah yeah so i only it's it's weird i i was here right at the beginning of the season i um spent the first three weeks here so played three games um and then there just there happened to be a goalie injury or COVID or post-covid things happening with a goalie at all times so i was the fifth guy kind of slotted out of camp um and then after the first three weeks somebody had been injured or sick the entire time up until about two or three weeks ago. So I was gone from here for a little while. And by the time I got back, it was kind of a completely different team. But, um, you know, with Canadian, <laughs> yeah. with Canadian university, uh, shut yeah. down, there was quite a few guys that came from there, I think to Cincinnati. And it's a good group right now. I think, you know, we played well in our home stretch right after I got here and then um, we struggled a couple on the road this weekend, uh, myself included. I wasn't I wasn't phenomenal by any means, but I think that's just part of it. You have such a young team and kind of young on the back end that those kind of nights happen. And I think it's a good learning experience with you know 15, 20 games left or or whatever it is that you kind of get these weekends out of the way now and you got to learn how to play on the road, especially you guys know that. Like in playoffs, that's that's how you win series is winning a game or two on the road and then taking care of your business at home. You know, we I think we looked like a good, really good team at home. The games I played and then, you know, you go on the road and it looks like a little bit something different. So I think learning to win on the road um, with this group is going to be really important coming out.
1: Well, you got we got six defensemen that are all rookies playing in front of you. I mean, that that and these these kids are, are probably going to be better players at some point, but they're young. They're rookies, and they're still learning. So, I mean, there is a learning curve, whether it's the ECHL, American League, or not. Every step of the way, there's a learning curve. And these guys are have been thrown into the fire, so to speak, and learning on the job. And and that can't be easy.
2: No, definitely not. And even, like, like you said, there's six rookies on the back end. But even a rookie from the beginning of the season to this point in the season is different from a guy just stepping in two or three weeks ago from Canadian, you know what I mean? Like a rookie, like a guy like um, Matt Cairns, for instance, on our team here, He, he was a rookie this year coming from college and he had his ups and downs at the beginning of the year, but I think he's playing like our best defenseman right now, but there's guys that are so fresh out of Canadian University that there's such a learning curve to the pro game that, You know in two or three weeks from now you'll see them get better it's going to be really rapid i think with a couple of them but they just need to get more comfortable with plays out of their own zone especially on the back end that's just that's just what it is just solving the pressure and you know things happen a bit quicker here than it did i'm sure in canadian university but there's a couple of them that you can always that you can see from game to game they're getting better and um I think the best example is, you know, Matt Cairns here. He was, you know, struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, but he looks really solid right now. And he's just that confidence playing with the puck too. When you have the puck in your stick, not to just throw it away or ring it up the boards. You have that, you know, second or two to look up, shoulder check and make a play. And um, I just think the more you see the young defensemen play, the more comfortable they get with those kind of plays.
1: It's funny you mentioned his name because he's the one guy that I said, wow, from the beginning of the year till now, there's a unbelievable difference in, in his game that he's he's calmer, he makes better plays, he he doesn't rush things.
2: I, I think he's playing excellent
1: right now. Yeah, yeah. And just
2: through the years of pro of me playing pro hockey, you see that with defensemen in their first years or even second years too. Like during the season they just get so much better and they get more comfortable making those plays because they go back, you know, a thousand times for pucks over the first four months of the season. So they just get more comfortable making those plays and the repetitions mm-hmm. and they know what plays they can make. So, yeah, I think, you know, guys learn very quickly once they get in more game reps. Um, and I think we'll end up seeing that with some of the guys that had just come in recently. Um, you know, Wyatt Eggie's another one. He he was pretty good at the beginning yeah. of the year too, but now him just skating the puck up and him having, you know, that much more confidence. And those are two guys that, you know, got American League games this year too. So they see, you know, how the game is there and then they come back and they've a little more jammed to their game too. They, they you know, have that confidence to skate the puck and they know that they can, you know, hold it for that split second longer and maybe instead of just wrapping it around the boards to your wingers, they, you know, find that pass in the D zone. It's just, it's cleaner getting out of the zone. And um, I think you see that with the more that guys play, especially young guys.
0: Now, Mike, let's go back. You were born in Youngstown, Ohio. I got to start right off the bat. Isn't Ohio mostly basketball, football, baseball? How did you get involved? How did you get involved in the game of hockey? Yeah, You probably played all three, but... Yeah,
2: no, fo- no football, uh, love baseball, um, but yeah, we were, my family, my, my mom's side of the family was, um, was a golf family, actually. They played golf growing up. My grandpa played football, um, but you're right. It's just, you know, both of my parents were from Youngstown. They grew up around football and baseball. Um, one of my family's, one of my parents' friends when we were younger, their kids started playing hockey so that's kind of how we got into it and mm-hmm. just take and learn to skate and then uh you know my brother they there was no hockey in youngstown so we uh my brother wanted to join or my parents wanted to join him with uh an amateur team in uh just on the other side of the pa border in the pittsburgh area where we ended up moving to um so it was about 45 50 minute drive for us So nothing, nothing outrageous, but that was the closest travel team that there was. So the uh, he joined up when he was six years old, and I played as a five year old, because they needed a goalie. And then, um, so we did that commute for, I think, five, six years. And then we eventually, my family just eventually moved to Pittsburgh, where, um, you know, right around that time is when Crosby got drafted. And hockey just started kind of booming there. Um, and it ended up going, filtering into the Youngstown area too. They ended up getting a junior team shortly thereafter in the USHL. They put up a really nice rink downtown, the Cavelli Center. Um, so hockey started branching out into the suburbs and then obviously across the state into into Ohio as I was kind of growing up. But, um, you know, amateur hockey, it was really cool to see how many players um, ended up turning pro from around my age in Pittsburgh. A lot of guys that were my age are a year or two older, a year or two younger. And um, I think a lot of that was, you know, kids growing up playing because of Mario and then kind of falling yeah. in love with it when Crosby got there. So it was uh, it was a cool time to kind of grow up in the Pittsburgh amateur hockey uh, era, I guess you could say.
0: Now, you, you, you did touch on um... – the ushl being a very good league which it is and a lot of Canadian kids are going to that league now and bypassing the junior leagues here like the tier two leagues here and going there because it is so good especially college-bound kids how did you end up in des moines and just talk about your experience there
2: yeah i played in des moines um when i was 16. i was never drafted in the ohl so um if I was, I, I might have gone as a 16 year old, if I had that opportunity, but um, I wasn't drafted in the OHL. I played, um, my my age group didn't end up having a triple A team in Pittsburgh. Um, it was just kind of thinner with guys, the good players would play up at, at U-18s. And then um, the other guys would kind of play high school hockey. So there was no 16 under team for my age in Pittsburgh. So I ended up moving to Detroit actually to play, uh, my aunt and uncle live in Detroit now. Um, so I just lived with them. It was an easy transition kind of pretty short drive. We have all of my, um, my mom's side of the family, a ton of them went to school in Ann Arbor. So we have a lot of ties to the Michigan area as well, but so I played a year of amateur hockey there, and then they used to have—I'm not sure if they still have it in the USHL. It was called the Futures Draft. They might still have it. I'm not sure, but it was in—it um, was shortly after the start of the amateur hockey season. I was taken in that when I was uh, 15, turning 16, and uh, and I think they had some goalie issues, so I ended up going up and playing there for um, Thanksgiving on. So it was that was my first taste of junior hockey. It was, um, you know, right out of under 18 hockey and we, uh, it was awesome. There was it's a, honestly, it's a really, really good league. I've seen tier two in, um, in Ontario as well. Um, playing, I played in the OHL, but we would go and watch the junior bees and, and so forth a lot. And it's very, very similar. I think, uh, there's some really good players, uh, playing the USHL and, Um, I enjoyed my time in Des Moines. It was a great city. It was just the opportunity in London, I think, was a little too good to pass up at the time. But um, I would have loved to stay and play there longer.
1: So you played in Des Moines, and then, you know, you obviously said that you weren't drafted in the OHL. And and I know the USHL is a pretty good league, but it also is a breeding ground mostly for guys that go on and play college. How did you end up in London after that? You had um, had three great years. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I was, uh, so I went to, I was in Des Moines when I was 16. I was only in uh, grade 10 at the time. Um, So it would have been at least two more years in Des Moines, and that's if you go into school, you know, as a true freshman. Um, And like I said, it was, I mean, I wasn't drafted in the OHL. Um, London was really the only team um with a couple you know little talks from others but um London was really the only team that asked me to come up and take a visit and see the arena i think they wanted they liked having a goalie a couple years apart so they had a 19 year old goalie coming in that year it was actually Michael Hutchinson who's uh yeah. with the Leafs organization he was, yeah he was he was hutch was the 19 year old um when i was 17 so they liked having which is smart. I think extremely smart of a junior team. Usually you don't see 18 year old goalies make the NHL or 19 year olds make the NHL anyways. So having them space two years apart, you kind of have one guy played, you know, less games, which is what I did my 17 year and then kind of take the ball the year after. So if you space them you know, out enough, you always have a guy that's kind of learning and then eventually takes a starting job for a couple years. So I think that's what they were looking for. And, um, we had a, a um, kind of a district tryout to go to select festivals, which is how they do kind of the USA hockey um, summer version when you're growing up um, and Mark Hunter came down and watched me play at the tryout. I remember having a pretty good tryout, but um, we kind of talked after and asked if I wanted to come up and see the city, see the arena. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to London, I'm sure you could see how, uh, you know, a teenager oh, yeah. could, could fall in love with that place. Yeah, they, you know, they said they sell it out every game and, you know, this and that. And it was, you know, a place that a teenager could easy, easily fall in love with. The city's awesome. You know, Mark and Dale, it, it felt like a family kind of atmosphere too with those two there. Um, it felt like they really cared about you. And, um, you know, it was just kind of perfect scenario. My parents were comfortable with it and, you know, the reputation that, the uh, the Knights have it was um, I think it was kind of an easy decision for
0: us well what did you know about the Knights actually going in there now here you are coming to the OHL. I mean you knew about the league you knew about some of the junior leagues and stuff like that and you obviously were up to date on probably where they were but Mm -hmm. what was your impression attending that first camp and I mean here you are the Knights if they're not the premier junior team in Canada they're pretty close or the top five probably so how was that whole experience once you got there
2: yeah so my first my first year after my first year in london um the year prior is when they traded for Tavares and delzado from uh from oshawa so they were they were kind of they ended up losing in the conference finals to windsor that year it was their first in the back-to-backs but um just you know seeing the first overall pick in that next draft playing for the team that you're about to go to. It was, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, you know, this is pretty big time hockey now. And yeah. Um, you know, being from the States, it was, you're right. You play in the USHL and it's a breeding ground for college hockey. And that was always what I thought I was going to do, um, with my hockey career was play in college after going to the USHL. That's kind of the path that I thought, um, But it was just, you know, kind of the allure of going to London and, you know, seeing all the people that they put into the NHL. And that's what you're thinking of when you're 17 years old, however naive it may be. That's that's kind of what you think. And, um, you know, I I love my time in London. I think if it wasn't if it wasn't them, um, I'm not sure I would have gone. But um, just because, you know, it is, it is a risk being, you know, being an American and growing up in the USA hockey environment, it always felt like a risk trying to go to the OHL, um, but I wouldn't have changed it. I'm, I'm very happy that I made that decision, and, um, you know, I think it is, you know, one of the best development leagues in the world, and, um, you know, I'm really happy with, uh, with my decision
0: to end up going there. Well, I think the Knights are pretty happy you went there too. I mean, the first year, I mean, you, you, you knocked out of the park basically three years in a row. Just got better and better and better. So I mean, just were you really in the days while that was all going on, or was it just were you just thinking, my goodness, is it is this really happening? Because it was going good.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the first year was like I said. They, I knew I wasn't going to be the starter or anything. Hutch was there, and Hutch was you know third round pick, and he was a good goalie. So. I think that was perfect, the amount of games that I played that year. Um, I don't know what, 2025 20, maybe ish. And then 25. Yeah. yeah. And then the year after, um, I ended up, you know, grabbing the starting job and kind of running with it and getting a lot of games that year. And it kind of set me up for that third year um, that I played there as a 19 year old. It was, you know, one of my better years of hockey that I've played. Um, but we were kind of, we had a lot of young guys. They were, ended up being really good. Um, I think out of our forward group that year, I think we had 12 forwards sign NHL contracts out of that group. And I think our top four D signed NHL contracts and myself. So um, it ended up being kind of the perfect storm of that year. But it was good that I had that experience before being the starting goalie the year before. And, you know, knowing coming into camp, I guess that I was going to be, the guy and carry the load and you know we ended up having you know tenority and harrington on the back end who were i think the best combo in juniors that year and then we had ole mata and uh you know and then we had 12 guys 12 forward sign nhl contracts we you know our 16 year olds were we were scratching one of um we had max domi and bo Horvat and josh anderson and chris Tierney. so i think we were scratching oh, yeah. one of them every game it was just it got and you know mark and dale are so good with that And I, I, that's the thing that i've always mm-hmm. wondered is how they identify 15 year old players how are they going to be good when they're 18 19 and they have you know the uncanny ability to do that and um so myself it, i was kind of set up for success that year by the talent that i had around me but um that was you know that was maybe my most fun year of playing hockey. It was it was an absolute blast. We went to the Memorial Cup finals and lost in overtime, but um you know that, that group was so talented. It was uh that made it really, really fun to play that year.
1: So you, you have those three great years sure. and you don't get drafted. Yeah. Like how disappointing was that for you or or you know or was it? I mean, obviously, it must have been because you had three great years in London.
0: Well, yeah. just before you start, Mike, for the listeners, okay, you make CHL rookie of the year the first year, OHL first team all-rookie team, you make goalie of the year your last year, MVP, and a run in the Memorial Cup. Like, it doesn't get much better in junior hockey. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, yeah, the first – like, after my rookie year was my first year draft eligible, Um thought I might thought I would um, maybe somewhere fifth to seventh um, didn't get picked okay it happens um, had a good year the year after um, didn't get picked again and then you know the third year was obviously really good um, and I thought that I was probably gonna get picked at some point I was pretty confident in that um, and you know it didn't happen the draft was in Pittsburgh I was I didn't. I didn't go. I didn't go to it. I, oh. I, yeah, it was. It was in Pittsburgh. It was at the new rink downtown. So, but I was watching it. You know, twenty minutes away. So I was gonna head down if I got picked. Um, but it. You know, it didn't happen. And you know, who knows? I don't. You know, who knows why? Um, but I ended up getting a. Um, an invite to Florida's development camp where, you know, I met Justin for the first time and uh, he was down there and, you know, I ended up signing, uh, you know, my entry level contract shortly after. So, you know, all you want is all the drafting, getting drafted does is, especially as a 19 year old, it would have just given me a chance to play pro. And I ended up getting that chance, you know, anyways, um, I would have loved to get drafted. It was, it was a disappointment for, you know, a few weeks maybe, but, um, you know, things worked out pretty quickly after. So it, uh, this thing didn't last very long.
1: It's funny how things go away. It's like, like Justin was in the same situation. He got drafted 92nd overall when he was 18 by uh, Anaheim yeah. when Bert, Brian Burke was there. Then he comes to Toronto, Brian Burke. They don't sign him. So, I, you know, he, we're kind of wondering what the heck are we going to do here? So I called Dale Talon, who was a buddy of mine. He was a, a color guy when I was in Chicago. So I asked, uh, they were in town for the referees. were doing all these uh, testing of new rules with players on the ice and all that, all the officials and the GMs. So we met at a Tim Horton's on the corner uh, by the least practice facility. And, uh, he said, Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll sign him right now to an American League ECHL deal. I'm like, Really? Okay. And he can come to camp. I said, Oh, perfect. So <laughs> I asked, and Justin, Justin was sitting there. He goes, Yeah, I'm okay with that, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I love Dato's one of the good guys in hockey. I I really liked him. He was, he was top notch. Yeah. And, from what I remember, I just remember you know, always shot it straight. Um, he was, you know, I think he was a guy that was in my corner as well as, um, you know, Scott Lewis, I think was the, was the, um, yeah. scout, uh, player development guy for the Panthers. That was always in my corner too. And I mean, you guys know how it is. You need, you know, a guy mm-hmm. or two that's in your corner, that believes in you, that's maybe seen you play that, seen you play at your best and know what you can do. And I think those were two guys that believed in me and gave me my first shot. And, um, you know, it's weird, like as a goalie, when you're, you know, 20 through 22 years old, it's, you know, still a lot of learning and a lot of development. And, um, you know, I wasn't the thing after my entry level contract, I didn't get another NHL contract until, you know, last year. And I felt myself still getting better and better, which was the most frustrating part over those, over that gap in between my chance to, you know, be on an NHL contract and have a chance to get called up was just that gap where I knew I was getting better, but, you know, you're kind of in limbo where, you know, you're not a prospect really. You're a little too old for that, but you're, you know, still young enough where you're getting better and your game kind of evolving still. So, um, I think, you know, in between those two NHL contracts, I think that was the biggest thing was just, you know, keep getting better and keep developing. And, um, you know, goalies, I think at least from what I've seen and, you know, true experiences too, they do take a bit longer to kind of find the top of their game where, um, you know, players, I think, kind of find it when they're a bit younger while they have the those fast legs still. But I think goalies, it's a lot of, you know, reading and reacting. And the more game situations you see, the more comfort you get. And I ended up getting more comfortable as, as time went on, I think.
0: Well, let me tell you, if things don't improve here in Toronto, goalie-wise, in the next uh, couple of weeks, <laughs> if you see a number <laughs> flash up in your text, Mike, that says MLSE answer it <laughs> <laughs>
2: i know i you know what i i follow the nhl quite a bit um i love like i love hockey i love of course you know, yeah. watching the nhl um but there's always something about toronto it's just there's always something going on it seems like and you know whether it's four is not scoring goalies not stopping the pug deep with the turnovers it's toronto is one of a kind market and it's fun to follow from afar, but I know you guys are right involved in the mix there.
0: Now I was going to ask you, Michael, the other thing is you're attending your first NHL camp. Walking away from there, what was it that left an impression you as a goalie? The speed of the game, the size of the players, or the way things were run, like anything like that. Like what really stuck with you leaving camp that year?
2: Yeah, my first NHL training camp was, uh, was when Luongo had been traded there. So I remember he was around and just kind of seeing like how he would go about things each day. Um, That was really cool. But yes, like you, the first thing that you realize once you step on the ice is the speed and, you know, everybody, all four lines can shoot the puck and all four lines can make plays where, (laughs) you know, you're coming from juniors and, you know, I played on a really good junior team, but you know, there's only there's you know only a few guys that can come down and really snap. And you know, sixteen, seventeen year olds, they're not you know developed enough usually my to gosh. be able to come down and rip the puck. Yeah, but you know, everyone there is coming down. You got to be on your toes every single shot, and you know, not even. I mean, I didn't even learn that my first training camp. It takes a while to start figuring out that you know you have to be on the ball while you're out here every single shot. And, you know, that is something that I realized over time. Um, But I remember thinking that, you know, every single guy out here can come down and and score on a shooting drill. So you better be ready every single shot because, you know, at that time, you know, every, still, I mean, every time you step on the ice with an NHL team, you have, you know, tons of eyes on you and you're being, you know, dissected and seeing how you're practicing. And obviously that leads into opportunities to play. So I've always thought, um, you know, later on, you know, the better I practice, the more chances I'll get to play. And I started learning that, you know, as time went on and, um, you know, I started taking practices much more seriously. Not that I would ever, you know, dog practices, but just, you know, the intensity that I would take with kind of each and every shot has changed over time because, you know, I think the more intense you are in trying to stop every puck in practice, it just kind of comes naturally in a game where, um, you know, I would just kind of maybe stand up a couple of reps, use, you know, my hands a couple of reps more than I would really be, you know, focused on doing whatever I can to stop the puck. Um, and I think that's the main thing that I took out of NHL camps is you got to be, you know, on the ball every time.
1: It's funny you say that because I know Mike and I had a lot of people on. We always talk about, like most of the players in the NHL were always the best player or one of the best players on every team they were on growing up, Yeah. all the way up. And they got to find a different role when they get to the National Hockey League. So that's what you're talking about with the fourth-line guys. They were the best players growing up, all the way up until they got to the NHL. So they can fire that puck. Just like the guys on the first or second line.
2: Exactly. So yeah. there's
1: not a whole lot of difference.
2: No, no, there really isn't. And I mean, obviously they know that they have their roles and, you know, they're expected to not get scored on. That's, you know, kind of what they're expected to do. Mm-hmm. But when they have a chance, they, you know, everybody is capable now of making plays and getting to the net. And, you know, they have to score maybe other ways than the first couple of lines can. But you know, as a goalie, you have, you know, 60 minutes, you have to be ready at all times, just, you know, even when your team is, you know, controlling action and kind of dominating play, you know, players are so skilled now that it takes one line rush and you have to make sure that you're ready Mm -hmm. for it because, you know, guys make plays so creatively now that, um, you know, especially in the NHL, but even in the American League too, they, you know, there's four lines that um you know guys are skilled that's you know that's part of it is like every day in practice there's so much skill work and so much development work for young guys that they just keep adding tools tools to their tool bag and they um and they use them in games and you know young guys they're not scared to try things now and it's pretty cool like there's you know tons of good things happening but it's um i think it's increased you know it's definitely increased scoring chances and Um, I guess, unpredictability for goalies where, you know, maybe like five, six, seven years ago, you know, chances would come down off the rush and it'd be, you know, one pass and kind of shoot and make sure you get a shot on goal was always the thing. Now there's, you know, plays being made and you want, then they're capable of making them. So, um, you know, goaltending has become harder just over the past few years, I think, just because of how creative players have gotten. It's, It's just added that you know a little bit of deception that they show and that's you know something that's common with all great players now um is that deception or that you know faking one thing doing another and you know it does throw a goalie off because you're trying to be as patient as possible but at some point you have to you know read and react to, and you know i think that's something that all the great
1: players end up doing now it's funny you mentioned that too uh uh, I mean, I love watching the game. The, the skill of these guys today is unbelievable, but I think the biggest thing you mentioned, they're not afraid to try things now. And I remember, I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, if you tried that, you'd get benched. You might you might even get scratched the next game if you tried some of the things yeah. the guys do today. And the coach would be swearing and yelling at you and everything. So, I like the fact that they're able to do that because they, they have more power now than they ever have. I, I love that fact. But they're not afraid to show their skills. And I, I think that's that's a, a wonderful thing for the national acumen.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And they're so good at it that mm-hmm. like I mean, yes, it goes the other way sometimes. You'll have a bad turnover at some points, but I think a lot of the things that you see guys try they're so good at it and they've practiced it. That it's not like they're trying it for the first time out in the game. Like they've practiced it, and they're pulling it off for you know the most part, or at least it's leading to a scoring chance or you know puck possession, and it's cool. I think you know there's and like you said, like there's three four lines that could do it that could do some of these things. There's some things that only the elites can do, um, where you know their computer I think just works a bit faster, but. You know, guys and their creativity—it's—it's um, it's leading to a lot of a lot of good things, and it makes it harder for us. But um, you know, it's fun. It's—it's it's fun when you have to try to stop those kind of things.
0: Well, you're talking about before, Mike, about going on the ice. says uh, to come from junior and stepping on the ice with the pros and these guys like a much different level on a smaller scale. My son was a goalie, and he went to the bio steel camp one year, and all the NHL guys were on the ice, and he was the yeah. goalie. Now, my son was a junior B, tier two level player. And he'd stand, you know, the guys that come across the blue line at his level, and he'd wait for the guy to sh- set up and shoot, and he'd set up and stop it. And he did this a couple of times with was on the ice with him by himself, Mike. And he went around. So Mike Carellia was coming down. Her mind was kind of standing up like this. He took half a step over the line and snapped it over his shoulder. And he was just stunned. And Camilleria went by and tapped him on the pads like, you're not getting away at that stuff up here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually,
2: I actually went to the Biosil camp one year, too. My goalie coach was coaching one of the guys there, and he asked if I can come take a an net, and I said, sure. And that is one of the first times that I remember thinking, like, everyone out here can really, really rip the puck. Because it was, I mean, it's an elite camp. There was, mm-hmm. you know, it was all NHL guys out there, and they were all pretty top end. And you're right, like, those guys come down and you see just like the way they shoot, even like yeah. the off face stuff, the way they train and all that it's, it really is. It's such an adjustment thinking like, I'm not, you know, the best guy anymore. And I need to make sure that, you know, I'm working as hard as I can every single shot, because even if, you know, a lot of the, my thing with, <laughs> with goal with being a goalie is my eye, like if my eyes and my hands are on that day, I feel like I can get away with, like, a yeah. lot of things. But if you're not focusing as much as you can on the puck and taking your eye off it or just kind of half-focusing, like, these elite shooters are going to rip it by you. And that's something that I've learned, a lot, honestly, a lot through that camp. I remember being there and everyone could shoot it and Everyone, even in shooting drills, was coming down trying to pick corners, which I like. I like that competition even yeah. in even in practice and flow drills, like trying to score and trying to stop it. It's, I think that's, that's the fun part of, of practice is when you can compete against those guys like that. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I learned around that time is, you know, I have to make sure I'm focusing and trying to stop every single shot, or at least picking it up off the stick. Cause if you're yeah. a little bit late, you're, you're
1: getting scored on and exactly yeah. Now. I mean, obviously, you know, things have all kind of gone in a different direction recently. I, I think the ECHL is – the NHL are using the ECHL much, much more to develop some of their younger players nowadays. I mean, you even see it in – we talked about the skill level. You see it in the ECHL now where you've got guys that are coming down there and they're trying things that, you know, they, they normally wouldn't have tried 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And they're good players. And then the next thing you know, they're in the American League and perhaps even get a game or two in the National League. So the whole chain, I think, is, is getting better and better.
2: Yeah, it is, absolutely. And, like, I mean, I think of, like, my first year of pro, um, I was in the East Coast League, but we had um, Florida would send guys to Cincinnati, and I remember um, Nashville would send guys here too so it was kind of it was a split affiliate it made for a really good team mm-hmm. but i think now teams just nhl teams realize the value of having some of your prospects you know down in the east coast league if they're not going to get big time minutes in the american league and now teams want their own echl affiliate so it's you're right it's it's becoming a lot more valuable and you do you see tons of guys go up and have success like i know when i was in rochester this year we <clears throat> we had you know, during it was a lot of the, you know, COVID illnesses and scratches and stuff like that. So we had tons of guys going up to Buffalo, but we would have guys coming from, we had a couple from Jacksonville come. We had a couple from here from Cincy come and they're good, put like they can play, they can play there. And once they get that kind of confidence here and that kind of role that, you know, they can ca- kind of carry the mail a little bit more, play in bigger roles, play power play, penalty kills here and they go up there and their game's fine and they it's really just you know those game reps and having that confidence that you can you know make plays with the puck you know and a lot of that's for some guys has to start here when you're not going to get that kind of playing time in the American League right away you uh you know develop that kind of to develop that kind of confidence you have to you know play big minutes somewhere and a lot of that time that is in the East Coast League for guys and that's how it was for me like if I, you know, just stated the American League as a, you know, backup playing, you know, 15, 20 games a year instead of, you know, playing ton of games here for, you know, three, four years. Um, you know, development may have been different and I may not have felt like I was getting better and better each and every year. So, um, you know, that's a big thing, too, is finding a spot. And if it is in the East Coast League where you're playing a bunch of minutes, that could be better sometimes.
0: What? Well, I- you know, we've touched on it. good and I talk about it all the time. We're big fans of ECHL, as you're probably very well aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's headed this way, no question. It's just a question of when is versus if the ECHL will have full sponsorship from the NHL. But here's something I was thinking about today, Mike, or The other day when I was going through all this is now with all this stuff going on in Europe right now, with and we're not trying to get political here by any means, but with the Russian thing, All of a sudden, if the KHL all of a sudden gets shut down or some sanctions get put against players or whatever it is, all of a sudden, if some free agents start showing up, well, they're going to come somewhere to play hockey. Maybe this expedites the sort of NHL stepping up and controlling the players more, because I know Squid has talked about it. And I know you run into frustrations where certain teams won't allow players to get called up. Like Toledo apparently is one. They keep all their players and don't let them move because they want to win. Yeah. but now with maybe all this stuff going on politically around the world this may free up some more players all of a sudden now these leagues there's only so many spots
2: yeah yeah you're right it will be interesting to see i uh i don't know i know there usually is a cutoff date where guys have to say if they're coming back from europe because there's or it's a, it's usually around this time march at some yeah. point where You'll see some guys that you know played in Europe that come back and maybe have a uh, a relationship with a team somewhere, and then they'll go on you know a playoff run here with a team in the East Coast League, and you know that's a common occurrence, and they're usually pretty valuable, pretty good players. Um, but you're right, I I I'm not sure if I are, I'm not sure if guys are playing over there at the moment. I wouldn't think so, but. Um, but you're right, like especially Americans or Canadians, they're gonna wanna come here and you know, it's only March, like guys are gonna wanna keep playing and mm-hmm. um, you know it will be interesting, but um, you know, there's some there's you know, tons of guys that came from, you know, Canadian college too that had to find spots here when they couldn't play. So, you know, it's kinda happening everywhere and it's just you know, obviously different circumstances. One was COVID and one's war, but Um, you know, it's going to be interesting for sure. I'll be, I'll be curious to see how many guys come back over and find
1: spots. Squid? Well, if they, if they start, if they start running all back here, you guys better grab a few of those guys right now. You could use (laughs) a
0: few of those guys
1: right now. (laughs) A couple guys with some
2: games wouldn't be the worst, but you know, you know, young guys, young guys are going to learn though. They're going to learn
1: and could be better for it.
0: Mike, not talk They're going to gonna talk. get better. They're going
1: to get better, but the, the problem is, is now it's about making the playoffs. I counted last night; forty-nine players have played for Cincinnati this year. Forty-nine is that? Forty-nine. What you're I, know. I, I mean, I came back here. Forty-nine players have played at least one game or more with Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: that's five goalies. too. is was there five goalies?
1: Yeah, probably uh, five or six. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah, I know. I mean, I came back here. It was a completely different team from the beginning of the year. I knew I saw, <laughs> I remember seeing a week with a ton of transactions. And a lot of that was guys having to go up and play in Rochester or somewhere else. And all of a sudden they have to find, you know, Cincinnati has to find other guys from somewhere too. And I know for a while there, it was pretty crazy. Um, I think it should be a little bit more stable now. Hopefully it's guys coming back. I think we still have, you know, guys playing elsewhere that are signed with Cincinnati. So hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, you never want to see guys come back. You want to see them get their chance in the American League. But, um, you know, as guys start becoming healthier and healthier, I think, you know, Buffalo saw this, you know, within the past two, three weeks. Um, Rochester's still a little dinged up, but um, Buffalo got healthy and then some guys started to kind of trickle back there. But um yeah and then obviously the trade deadline's coming up too which could throw a wrench into things as well so it's always you know you never know i don't i don't envy i don't envy the job of the guy of the coach in rochester or painter here like they're constantly trying to find other guys when you know their lineup's thin and um you know trying to find guys that gel and mesh into their lineup too what kind of guy do you need do you need speed? Do you need third-line guy? Do you need, you know, are you thin on D? Do you need somebody kind of lugging the nail there? You just need a fifth, sixth. It's it's tough, and, you know, you got to know players really well. you got to know both leagues really well, the East Coast League and the American League, and, um, you know, it's a tough job.
0: Now, Mike, we got to get to this. We'll come back to the East Shows in a second, but I want to talk about the NHL day, the day you got the call to come to Buffalo, walk us through that whole day, and you must have been walking on a cloud.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was last year. I was bouncing between, um, you know, doing backup and Buffalo, backing up, usually Dustin Tokarski, and then back on the taxi squad. Um, And then right before the last week of the year, um, both goalies, uh, Dustin and Uko, in Buffalo got hurt, and we had a day off, and then we had, you know, game the next day. I thought maybe Ticker was going to end up playing, but... Um, you know, just got to the rink and for morning skate and, um, he said he couldn't go. And so I kind of, I got told at morning skate that day and, uh, you know, it was, it was cool. Just telling my parents, um, was probably the coolest thing just because, you know, they've been, they've been there, you know, the whole time, you know, every step of the way they've seen me play, they're always watching my games and, um, you know, my mom always, I, you know, I always thought that I had a chance. Uh, my mom always thought it was going to happen. Um, so just you know, sharing that with them was pretty cool. And then, um, and then we won the first two. And I think you know, like I said before, you know, making it's awesome. But I just wanted to you know make sure that I was ready for it. And I kind of wanted to prove to myself that I was ready for it. And um, you know, when I won the first two, and that was great. And then I got to play in Pittsburgh. At, the two games after that, so it was, I was, you know, really awesome too. I had tons of family and friends there, and, um, you know, it was just, it was awesome. You never, after playing in the minors that long, you don't know if it's ever going to happen. You always think that it could, you always think that, you always think that you could, you just don't know if the chance is going to come, and, um, you know, the chance came, and, you know, I'm just happy that I kind of took advantage of it a little bit.
0: Well, I was going to say, well, before you go, I was going to say, well, Bruce Boudreau told us, I think he was 35 or 36, and he was still lighting it up in the HL. We asked him that question. Everybody thought he was going to get the chance. He never gave up, and he got a chance to be a player coach. And you know the rest is his history from there.
2: Bruce Boudreau? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'd heard stories that he's an American League legend. Um, I know Justin had um, his son last year. I had. Yeah, that's right. I had him as an assistant in Fort Wayne for a year, and uh, you know we always heard Bruce stories um, about his legendary status in the American League. But yeah, that's I mean just things like that are like for me it was it was Scott Dart like Scott Darling played in the minors for forever too, and then yeah. he ended up getting a chance and he took it and ran with it, and you know that was kind of the thing that I always hung my hat on because you know he played in. He played in Cincy, he had a quick stint in Cincy, and um, I crossed paths with him a little bit playing against him, um, and then, you know, he got a chance, and he took advantage of it, and I just always thought that, you know, if I got a chance, that I th- I always thought that I could go and win games there, and, um, you know, it was really fun to see, too, like, like, Buffalo wasn't a great team last year, but just seeing, like, how hard the guys played for me, and you know, how bad they wanted to win. It was, it was just cool to be a part of. And, you know, it was an empty rink. We were, you know, last place in the league. But they, uh, they made it really cool. Um, you know, they played so hard for me. And it was, uh, it was you know, those were fun games.
1: Well, I saw an interview uh, with you, or heard it, I should say. And what I liked about it was you talking about, you know, what you do, off the ice as far as you know, preparing yourself. But you the biggest thing for me was you take every game like it's an NHL game. You look at it that way and you focus. And I love the fact that you you know, I mean you're in the ECHL but you're still looking at every game like it's an NHL game and I gotta be prepared and I gotta be ready. And I mean that's probably how you got to Buffalo because you took that approach yeah or
2: yeah i at least think that's why i was able to kind of step in and have a little bit of of success is just you're right i treat i treated every game like it was the most important game ever even still like every game is the most important one and um i think that's kind of how i stepped in and had was able to kind of control the emotions a little bit, um, you know, it was an empty rink and that probably helped a little bit too. Um, but you're right. It was, that's kind of always been. My mindset is just, you know, wherever I am, wherever, you know, my feet are, whatever team I'm with, that's, uh, that's where my focus is. And, you know, getting sent down, it's never easy, but, you know, that next game, wherever you are, you know, that's where your focus is. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of, you know, keened in on. And that's, uh, that's always, I don't know, that's kind of been a little bit of recipe of success for me, at least, is um, being able to just kind of, you know, block out, you know, the send downs or the call ups or whatever it is, because it is true. It is true. Like once you get out there, it is, you know, still just hockey and, you know, guys are trying to score on me. We're making plays. They're making plays. It's, you know, it's fun out there and uh, you know, it's fun here. It's fun in Rochester. It's fun in Buffalo and it's uh, it's all the same game. And, you know, I do, I, I prepare each game like, like it is in the NHL, whether it's, you know, in sincere in Rochester and, um, I think that has been a little bit of a uh, key to success for me.
0: Now, playing in the minors, Mike, we've asked this all the time of guys, and some of the crazy stuff that may go on. Now, after eight years, you've probably seen a few things over your time, and we've heard stuff about <laughs> trainers playing goal, barely yeah. being called to fill out rosters, coaches driving a team bus like John Brophy <laughs> when the driver went drive it in a snowstorm, but he pushed him out of the way and drove it. Yeah. <laughs> What are, I mean, I'm sure you've seen all of that, except maybe Brophy, but some of the crazy stuff you've seen over the years in the AHM's ECHL.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot. There's, yeah, <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of bus troubles. Um, I remember we got, our bus broke down one time coming back. We had back-to-back on the road and then coming back home for a Sunday afternoon game, we were, you know, gassed already. I think I was playing all three of them. And then our bus broke down we didn't get back you know until you know five six in the morning and then you go out and play a sunday <laughs> afternoon game but you know our coach that we had here before matty thomas i know you know him rick he um yeah he hey, on. just had a, like the most uncanny ability to get us ready under like the worst circumstances <laughs> like he knew that we got back at six in the morning and then had to be at the rink at one o'clock we had to be at the rink in you know six seven hours it was like a terrible, terrible environment, but he got us ready. He always had the ability to get us ready for games, which was really, really cool. Um, And we always showed up, which was, which was awesome. That team that year was great. That was three, four years ago in Cincinnati. But yeah, there's been, you know, quite a few bus incidences, a lot of of travel related uh, things that would go awry, but um, you know, We had, we had a guy, he was kind of a military guy in, uh, in San Antonio that was part of the organization and he would kind of give us like leadership speeches and, and whatnot. And he would just always say like, embrace the suck." just like things suck in the, in the minor sometimes not, it's, it's definitely not as bad as, you know, people make it out to be like, you get used to it and bus trips and stuff. But he just always said, just embrace it. Like there's much, much worse things to be doing than playing hockey for a living. And, uh, you know, I've always taken that to heart. You know, we, you know, travel is never great and things like that. But, um, you know, I've always I've always just kind of embraced it and and enjoyed it along the way.
0: Embrace the suck. I like that one.
1: That's it. Mike, by the way, by the way, bro's not the only guy that drove a bus. Oh, you did too, right? For Soko? Well, the driver had the driver had to go to the bathroom. And I'm, of course, I'm sitting at the front of the bus. And he says, I gotta go to the bathroom. He said, Here, I'll just pull out and you get in. And I'm like, Seriously? Like I've never driven a bus before. And I go, So anyway, I said, okay, whatever. So then all of a sudden we're coming down this real long downward road on the highway and it's like a long long downward road and and we're getting to the end of it and there's a lot of cars in front of me and i'm pumping the brakes and i can't stop this thing <laughs> thank god he came back from the bathroom in time and got in that seat otherwise i would have went through a dozen cars
0: oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that one
2: oh yeah oh
0: yeah um <laughs> <laughs> uh- I was going to ask you now. You played in San Antonio, but now being around the circuit, something the listeners may not know about the ECHL that would surprise them if you told them that, like the, maybe the way the team that the uh, local cities embrace the team and are engaged, is it? It's pretty, all the guys who come on tell us that it's unbelievable how strong these people are about the teams.
2: It is, yeah, for sure. And some cities definitely more than others, but for the most part, it's pretty. You know, it's around the entire league that. They uh, they really do they embrace it and you know Cincinnati we get it's obviously Cincinnati's a little different just because it is a major league sports town yeah. there's so many people here that you know we do we get we get quite a bit of fans to every game and there is a decent following it's such a major city though that that's kind of a uh, an anomaly around the league but um, like I know I played in Fort Wayne Justin played there last year like for like the Comets and Fort Wayne are you know, it's the biggest show going on there. They, the city loves the, the comets so much and they, uh, you know, there's media at every practice every day and people wanting to get interviews and stuff. And it makes you feel like you're, you know, kind of very similar to London, like a little mini NHL kind of. And, um, but like I said, it's, it's widespread around the league. There's, you know, really, really good teams with some really good followings. And, um, you know it makes it fun when you get into kind of the midwest rivalries with you know cincinnati toledo toledo fort wayne fort wayne cincy indy and those teams there it's uh you know you see them so much in the minors you play your you know regional team so much um then you start to develop to develop those rivalries and then you know guys like justin have you know went into play in Indy and into Toledo so many times as a way, as a way opponents that, you know, it starts to get fun when, uh, when the fans, you know, kind of get on you and stuff a little bit and <laughs> maybe you steal one there in the playoffs or, you know, we beat Toledo a few years ago in the playoffs. And that was, uh, you know, those are just, those are such fun things that, you know, you'll remember years down the road, but it's, uh, you know, it means a lot to them and it means a lot to us too. When, when you can take down a rival like that.
0: So, Squid, well, Michael, we, we, the hours flown by, and uh, you've been very nightly. By the way, Squid, do you think he's got a job in broadcasting? Maybe we've, ta- we've talked Not about this chance. in the past. And, well, uh, we've talked about this in the past, Michael. Goalies make good coaches, and they make good broadcasters.
1: Yeah, coach in yeah.
0: Rochester was well. Good if you,
1: yeah, if you look at if you look at the, all the broadcasters that do the color in the National Hockey League, I would say probably. 65 70% of them are goalies that played well, played in the NHL and a lot of the coaches are goalies i mean it's unbelievable i and I, I always think maybe it's because they see the whole ice in front of them they see the whole game so perhaps they're better at you know picking things up or something i i don't yep. know you tell me i mean you're a goalie yeah. <laughs> i will
2: i will say when like when color guys talk about things goalie specific like how he made a save or how he saw the puck or if he didn't see the puck or what kind of equipment he got mm-hmm. on it like the guys that are really good at that are you're right our ex-goalies like mm-hmm. Boucher was really good at that and Darren Pang's really good Darren at that yep. yeah they're they're they because they've been back there and uh uh Mc, no McLean, not no McClendon the yeah Jamie McClendon yeah yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah all Jamie these, when, when, you, when you've when you been back there and you see the kind of shots, you've seen every shot that, you know, the game has at least, you know, 100 times. So you know what the goalie is feeling back there and how he made the save or why he didn't make the save. So when they talk, when the color guys talk about goalies, I will say that the best are obviously ex-goalies, but um, yeah, they they're really good at insights for the whole game. I don't know if I'd be able to give insights about you know, players making plays and stuff. I can just say what I see, but, um, you know, I think guys that are out actually out there that have made the plays before are a little more, uh, qualified for that.
1: Okay. So coaching, then uh, maybe, coaching <laughs> but I, I remember here. Darren Pang. Darren Pang was a teammate of mine and I love listening to him when he's doing the color because yeah, he is he's so good. good. And he was a teammate of mine in Chicago. Um, but you know what? I think. What about coaching? At some point.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's necessarily for me, but I will say that some of the best coaches that I've had were ex goalies as well. Um, the guy in Rochester right now, Seth Appert, is an ex goalie. Oh, he was he then, a goalie. He was a goalie. Oh. Yeah, he was. He was a goalie. He played at Fair State and then coached right out of college. He's been coaching for a little while now, but he. Um, he was an ex goalie and i've always just found it fascinating that he knows the game so well like and you have that's what i think you have to do that i haven't done yet at least not you know consciously done is really learn the game and how you know guys are making plays i see it happening and i i know the plays that guys make are the right plays and wrong plays i guess subconsciously but i've never sat down and really like tried to learn player systems or anything like that i just know the goaltending aspect of it, um, but you're right. I've I've seen that so many good coaches were ex boys, and you know I've always just found it you know fascinating that they uh, that they know the game so well, they
1: know systems so well.
0: Well, Michael, we want to thank you. Here's oh, my here's my hold on one. Here's, here's my future. Okay. Here's my
1: my vision for the future is that you. Chelsea and Justin are going to run the Cyclones, and then eventually go to eventually go to Rochester and then Buffalo. How's that sound? I could do the. I'll take the goalies. I could take the goalie. Oh, you take the
0: goalies. I'll let
2: I'll let that handle the X's and O's.
0: well, that hey, that hey, listen, that's a pretty good plan, Squid. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, I don't think you'll get any pushback from the three guys. (laughs) I might
1: not be around when that happens, but you know.
0: well michael listen we want to thank you for a great hour you're great fantastic uh, well-spoken you gave great stories and thanks so much and listen we want to wish you nothing but the best moving forward and win another champ win a kelly cup for us will you
2: i will i'd love to i would love to win one that would be i on the pocket list for a few of us here so that would be awesome but yeah
0: thanks for having me guys that was fun no love having you thanks mike yeah no problem thanks michael